Good, good morning, everyone. This morning, the convo is going to be pulled together by a group of folks who are working with the I-Corps initiative, which is uh, also kind of known colloquially on campus as the iPad initiative. Um, my name is Scott Barge, and I am one of a number of people who are kind of shepherding this project through to next fall over the, over the spring semester and through the summer. Um, the other folks who are up here with me on stage this morning are uh, interfacing with the project in a number of ways. We'll start over here. We have Colton Ney and Nina Fox and uh, Kevin Geary, who are all working with iPads this semester in their Foundations of Education class, or sorry, this May term uh, in Foundations of Ed. Kent Palmer, Ann Hostetler, Lana uh, Rohr, and then Jan Zawadzki and Ross Peterson-Veach are also people who have been involved in this project this spring. Um, this is an initiative that has raised a lot of questions over the past uh, spring, um, and they're really good questions. There are questions about the environmental and social justice impact of a decision like this by, by Goshen College. Uh, there are questions about the impact of um, iPads and other electronic kind of cell phone type devices on our community uh, and how that's going to unfold in terms of our interpersonal relationships. And there are certainly questions about um, what the educational value of this initiative is. And we would view this convo as the first in a sequence of, or a, a, a long series of ways in which we can continue to engage all of these questions. Um, we'll take a break for summer, but obviously again next fall. Um, and today we'll focus particularly on the educational piece of it. Um, because we have the unique opportunity of hearing from Kevin Gary and his students about how it's going. Uh, so they're, they're a group of people that have kind of stepped out in front and, 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 and worked with the iPads and, and can speak to the advantages and some of the disadvantages of having them in the classroom. Um, so we'll hear first from them. Uh, after that, uh, we will hear from Lana, uh, who will talk a little bit about some of the the uses they've, uh, she has already seen for the iPad in the co-curricular areas, and she'll talk a little bit also about the plans for next year uh, in the student life area and in the learning communities of the new GC Core. Uh, and then Anne Hostetler actually will talk a little bit about how she anticipates not using iPads next year in some of her classes. So, and not that Anne is the curmudgeon who we've brought onto our committee, but. <laughs> But so you can look forward to hearing a balanced perspective from the folks on stage here. Um, we will have some time for question and answer at the end, hopefully, and the final moments of the convo will be for uh, President Brenneman. Uh, so with that, I will turn it over to Kevin and uh, Nina and Colton. Good morning. Um, my name is Kevin Gary, teaching the education department, and um, there are three days left of May term, not that I'm counting. Um, I began using the iPad over Christmas break, and I have to say I was not sold. And then I began to use it in February, and I had what I would call the Damascus Road experience uh, with the iPad. Began using the apps and realizing for courses in education, it is a really valuable tool. And so approached Michael Shearer about the possibility of piloting uh, the iPad use in the Foundations of Education class. <clears throat> Some applications that immediately uh, stood out um, was the really easy-to-use camera. Uh, teaching is an art, and one thing teachers need to acquire is teacher vision. 
and I would compare it with court vision on the basketball court. Early teachers really struggle with seeing the classroom. And so to be able to quickly and easily capture your teaching on video and to look at that critically uh, is a very helpful tool. And we began doing that in our class immediately with micro-teaching. Related to that, then, one thing we have in our program is uh, ePortfolios. That's been a part of our program now for several years. And the iPad is really handy at collecting teaching artifacts and then putting them in a portfolio. Um, the other thing is I use a lot of articles in my class, and the Good Reader app on the iPad is extraordinarily helpful. That said, I, I will say that the iPad does lend itself to distraction. And so I've had times in the class as the class has evolved, I've said to students, all right, let's put the iPad down now, literally close it. Because I do notice, you know, the eyes can wander as can mine. Secondly, um, I've noticed that it works well in this course. I would not use it in every course that I teach. I teach the Intro to Philosophy course. I'm not sure I would use it in that course. Uh, two years from now, myself and Dean Rhodes are going to take a course on a pilgrimage to Tizay, France, and uh, the pilgrimage of St. James in northern Spain. We need 40 students to sign up for that, by the way. Um, Dean and I are going to say that course is anti-technology. We do not want students to bring any kind of te smart technology. Having led SST, I definitely would not want iPads on SST. Um, we had a couple students who had smartphones, and they were on Facebook excessively on SST, which I think is obviously very problematic. So we're using the iPad in this course, and it is an effective tool. It's not something I would you know, advocate for every educational situation. So with that, I'm going to pass on the mic to a couple students in my class now and let them share what their thoughts are. Thank you. Hi, um, I'm Nina. Actually, as I was uh, walking to class today, I was talking to Ben Bauman, and um, I was saying how I was going to be in Convo today and, and how I didn't quite remember what I was going to say, and he was like, oh, you should use your iPad as you're uh, sitting up there, but um, <laughs> I decided not to. Um, well, I, yeah, as Kevin shared, it is really helpful, I think, for technology-rich classes. So having it, um, reading articles is probably the biggest one. I, um, I took Transcon this past semester, and reading articles on the computer was kind of um, burdensome. But um, it's really nice in this class to, to, you know, have it in front of us as we're in class discussing the articles, which is really helpful. Um, and then we've also done some group work. And, um, you know, if we have like short videos, sometimes we'll go into small groups and we'll watch a video on our iPad and then we can discuss that as, you know, four or five students and come together as a class. And that's also been um, really nice. I think in terms of, you know, in some ways though, I think it is excessive. I think it doesn't really perform uh, many more functions than our laptops would. And most students seem not to choose to bring their laptops to class. Um, so sometimes it just seems excessive technology. And then I think my, the last thing is that um, I don't always like being divided between um, a laptop and textbooks and um, an iPad. So sometimes if I'm, you know, I need to read an article on the iPad, it's more helpful. But if I want, I, you know, if I need to type up a response, then I have to get on my computer. Um, and then sometimes I have like, you know, three things on my lap, like an iPad, a computer, and a textbook on the side. So, uh, you know, there are pros and cons. Um, but yeah, definitely for really technology-rich classes, it is helpful. So, here's Colton. 
Yeah, so um, I'll hit on the distraction piece at first. Uh, it was really interesting at the beginning of, of May term, I've had this fancy new iPad, and I was like, okay, we're learning basic stuff about history of education, and I'm trying to pay attention, and then I'm like, hey, yeah, I remember that. Like, on thinkgeek.com, there was, like, a bow I wanted to get. And so, like, with the click of a button, you know, I was on thinkgeek.com buying a bow. And then I would, like, you know, zone back into class. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm still in class. And so there was that issue at the beginning. And I wasn't quite sure. It took me a little longer to, to compensate to that than I originally thought. But it's, that's like a give and take sort of thing. The thing with the iPad is that there's a certain amount of things on it that are really, really easy to do. And one of them is get distracted. And a couple other ones are, you know, like use a good reader and read articles. Things like just um, surfing and getting on different applications at, at one time. You can do a lot of different things at one time. Also something I valued on it was the idea of like, say you want to um, have have an individual be uh, videoed or at least be viewed by the teacher on a, like a presentation basis, usually you have to have them go in front of the entire class and do that. But it was nice with the iPad that we could, all, we could do like a presentation-based um, project, or not a project, but just a regular assignment. We could each go into tiny little groups, and we could all video each other, and with a press of a button, we just uploaded it to YouTube right after, right after we did it. And then Kevin could go on YouTube and look at all our um, uploads individually. So it was really nice to be in a small group setting, but also to be in a setting where we could sh show Kevin directly what we, were, what we were getting at, which is really nice. Um, I also think there's like a, there's a cultural thing that's going to be, that's going to be having with the iPad. Um, there's a lot of interface that's a lot, that's really, it's really different that you're not used to. Along with the new Moodle that came out recently, there's just like a lot of technology newness that's going to be happening. And so I think the, the students are going to have to have um, open mind, as the teachers are going to learn with the students next semester. There's going to be a lot of give and take, as there already has been in this class. Kevin, just the last, the last week of class, has, has realized that their, the distraction thing has been an issue and has been asking us to close our, our iPads to a certain extent, which has been very helpful, I think, because sometimes I don't even realize I'm doing it. And so that's, it's, it's, very, it's very helpful to, to know that the teacher is going to be learning along with the students and that there's not like, here's the, here's the teacher, he knows a lot about the iPad, and we're just going to try to go along with that. There's going to be some, some, some definitely learning from both sides there. And I think that's important for the, for the kids to know at the beginning. So maybe the freshmen at the beginning should be told, you know, hey, I'm, I'm still learning what the iPad's doing. I don't even know what, all this crazy stuff that's, that's going to happen with it. So learn with me, and don't expect this to be a very a super fluid thing the entire time. So that's why. Let's see. Hi, I'm Lana, and um, I work in student life. And student life is the um, area of our campus um, structure that is responsible for those activities outside the classroom. So this includes everything from residence life to career services, campus ministries, MAO, um, all different kinds of offices. And uh, leadership development would be included in that as well. One of the things that um, we have uh, realized in the last uh, year, I, I got my first Mac device um, here, the iPad 2, 
um, last fall, and so we began working with that um, just on an administrative context um, through a lot of ways of being able to manage paper flow and communication, iMessaging among our team. Um, really facilitated a lot of our communication where we had been relegated to email or text before, and that was incurring additional costs and things like that. Um, so we see a lot of additional applications, um, not only administratively, but then also with students, when we can iMessage students and be com communicating in that way. Um, it really helps us stay connected on the day-to-day. -day. Um, the other piece about, as we, as we um, are going forward, um, career services as the one branch of student life that um, helps us think about how we prepare graduates for two things. One, students telling their story, and two, how do we help students, graduates, communicate to employers how the graduates will help solve the career, the problems of the employer. So we, all of us, are part of that uh, endeavor and it's lodged primarily in career services through um, career preparation and that kind of things. But we see this, the, the new iPad, as a learning tool in the broadest sense. This is a way for uh, students to collect their experiences, to be able to document what they're learning, to be able to move forward in um, the way that the world is moving forward with technology. We have to be prepared to be able to answer those questions and do that in a way that is uh, noticeable and recognizable by those um, when we leave this place. So that is our um, goal, to be able to work together, to be able to prepare um, each other for that. Is it creating a learning on all of our parts? Yes, we all are learning, and, but there are some things that really make it easy. There are some things that are easier. Um, I appreciate the fact that we can decrease paper flow. Next fall, we're going to be loading a lot of the documents that we would be handing first-year students. They will be coming on the iPad directly to them, and we'll be able to help them know, this is where you find that information, right here. Uh, you may not remember the information every single minute, but you'll know where to find it, and it's going to be right in your hand. Um, this past year, we initiated um, as kind of a, a stepping stone for our leadership development um, we had a, a final um, celebration, which was called a legacy dinner for our student leaders. And student leaders were able to utilize the iPad um, in movie clips to identify their answer to two questions they could choose. One, where have you seen God at work this past year? And the other question was, um, identify a leadership highlight that you also experienced in this past year. We compiled all of those uh, responses from students into a movie that we created on the iPad through iMovie, and um, we were able to show that at the dinner that night so that we could kind of reflect together as a group what all we have accomplished this past year. Um, and, and that was a meaningful experience for me and I think for the students as well. Hi, I'm Ann Hostetler, and I'm looking forward to getting my iPad tomorrow, just so you know. <laughs> I haven't refused this new initiative. Um, 
I reflect, going to reflect a little bit on my current expository writing class because it's a class I usually teach in the computer lab and I decided not to this semester. I suddenly realized, oh, that's interesting when I was in this committee. I'm trying to figure out the right use of technology. So I wrote a few notes down on a very sophisticated device called a piece of paper with a pen, technologies we still have not abandoned. For years, when I've taught expository writing, I've taught it in a computer lab. Students are writing, I reasoned, so they should be able to turn right from direct instruction to practicing their writing techniques. What better way to do this than in the computer lab? But this May term, I decided to try something new, teaching expos in a regular classroom. I'd found that the computers created distractions in class. In fact, one student on the evaluation mentioned that they didn't know why I talked so much during class, as though my teaching was somehow interfering with their computer time. <laughs> I've loved the change back to the classroom. Now when we do peer critiques, as we are doing this morning, there is once again that delicious silence of pure concentration, broken only by the distant squeals from the video in the education class next door. <laughs> this is what concentration feels like, students giving each other's papers their full attention. Doing peer review in a computer lab, I now realize, is much less than satisfactory. It creates an atmosphere of distraction. You'll have to ask my students what they think, but from my perspective, they have gotten to know each other and each other's writing much better in this less distracting environment. This is not to say that we have never used the lab. Last week was research week, and we spent half of every class day in the computer lab when it enhanced learning the most. Still, I noticed a level of distraction. The class turned into a bunch of individuals net surfing and typing, and a few chose to slip off somewhere else. Like I didn't notice, right? <laughs> so what does all of this have to do with iPads? We don't really know until we've tried them. I'm sure, like getting any new toy, there will be a period of distraction. But <clears throat> I'm also somebody who uses the internet every day. But I'm an advocate of the classroom as a place to develop intellectual community. The iPads will allow us to bring the internet into the classroom as a resource, but with it will come distraction. We need to believe equally in the power of engaged dialogue and to realize that it takes effort, structure, and commitment to create spaces in which we can build skills for interpersonal dialogue unmediated by technology. Otherwise, class will become like a family dinner to which everyone brings their own screen and only speaks when they need a second helping of mashed potatoes. Thank you. <laughs> so that goes to... Uh, so I think uh, we've heard from, from the three uh, folks or three groups of, of people this morning that, that we had intended to, and you may have noticed, uh, we'll, we'll move now to a, a question and answer piece, and you may have noticed that uh, Jan had posted last week in the communicator to solicit questions from from folks in the community. So there's a number of questions we'll work through here that we're guessing many of you have, and depending on where we're at on time, uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do to open it up as well. Um, we'll start, though, with, with a question that came in, uh, which is a pretty fundamental one, and I think you've heard some of the answer to it already, but that question is, why are we getting iPads, and what's the reasoning behind this initiative? So, and I think Kent was gonna speak a little bit to that. Okay, so next year, 
we're adopting a new set of graduation requirements um, known as the Goshen Corps. And when the faculty worked on developing the new Corps, uh, we looked at, oh, what would people need as they were graduating? And the first group that will be graduating is 2017 uh, under the new Corps. And we identified that, oh, they need to have certain knowledge, skills, they we want them prepared to take on certain responsibilities, and we wanted them to incorporate integrative learning. And um, among knowledge, we have things like Christian's story, identity, social world, natural world, artistic world, peacemaking, and as one of our most recent, uh, our most recent uh, addition to the majors is informatics with a peacemaking just social justice and conflict studies um, emphasis or cognate. Um, I obviously am thinking that, oh, we need to apply information tools in a variety of areas, including peacemaking. Um, but I, we were particularly focused on, oh, what would the uh, tablet technology provide us for uh, the skills area? And we're asking that graduates be able to communicate, we want competency in quantitative literacy, inquiry, critical and reflective thinking, problem solving, and intercultural experiences. And I think we've heard from Gary's class that at least tapped on some of those. And I'm actually wanting to hit on quantitative literacy, which I didn't hear um, in your class, but was one of the aspects of the core that I most uh, value. And I think that the tablet technology is an excellent choice for that. And yes, there are different information tools and made some reference to laptops and does tablets replace laptops? Well, maybe not, um, but the way information, people interact with information has changed. And the quantity of information that people are going to have to deal with in 2017 is considerably different than uh, what they are today. When I graduated with a PhD in 2004, for instance, there was a certain amount of information that from the beginning of civilization we had created up to that point in time. We're now creating as much information as we created up to 2004 every two days. Um, so it's a different world. People need tools to interact with information and the tablet brings it right to your hand, you're interacting with it, and it's truly the tool that um, one needs. Then the question becomes, oh, if we're going to do tablet technology, um, should we do the iPad, or in my world, I prefer to do open source technologies and more of the Android, Java sort of thing. Why has the school adopted the iPad sort of technology. Um, that's a proprietary thing of one vendor, Apple. Well, the fact is um, there are 46 million of these devices out there. And that's about five times as many as all the other devices combined of the, in the tablet sphere. Um, if we want to be playing where people are playing, this is where the action is at today. 
we have to be there. Um, and our students need what's actually going on in the world, um, not what I prefer on a theoretical basis. We increasingly, um, people are going to be interacting with information um, through the digital media. Already in my area, a number of the journals are only available in electronic format. Increasingly, the books are only available in electronic format. Um, in many of the fields, it's still a choice of whether you get it on in electronic format or you get it in the paper format. Um, but oftentimes the electronic format's slightly cheaper, not always. Um, but I think we will be transitioning to more and more electronic texts, and students need an appliance that appropriately provides them access to it. Great. Uh, the, one of the next questions we had was um, that, that uh, some of you sent in was, what kinds of education will profs have um, in incorporating the iPads into their classes, and will there be any regulations during class? Um, so I think Anne and, and Kevin both uh, can kind of speak to that one. I'll start. Um, first, I want to apologize to Anne for disturbing the delicious silence. I love that, uh, that description. <laughs> we were watching the film Stand and Deliver, which is actually about students who are from East Los Angeles who, um, who really lack privilege. <clears throat> and the iPad is a privilege. And one thing I've noticed <clears throat> at the college is asking students, I mean, we're saturated in technology. Teachers assume when you leave our classrooms, you're able to use and manipulate, certainly PCs. Um, most courses, several courses involve using EBSCO and doing searches. And for many students, that is, you know, you're fish in water. You swim gracefully doing that. Not every student can do that, and so the other day when we were doing an EBSCO search in class with the iPad, to be able to see peer-to-peer -peer and student-to-teacher's uh, assistance going on right there in the classroom was, was quite valuable. That said, I do think there has to be designated time for that delicious silence that Anne described, uh, where the iPad is, is put aside, um, especially when you're having a, a conversation uh, to encounter and listen well. The iPad does distract from that, so it's a tool that needs to be used very critically and carefully. I, I would just um, thank you for the apology, but no problem. I think my students are used to de dealing with a level of distraction outside um, uh, in the classroom uh, also, because we are used to screening out a certain amount of noise. Um, but I think that um, one thing that having the iPads will do is make us talk about things we always take for granted, like certain kinds of attention in class, or certain kinds of quiet. So we'll have to start articulating this, like where are our technology-free zones? What is worth putting your machine away for? Or the other question, what is worth taking away from that interactive space by using a machine? I'm looking forward to getting my iPad so I can figure out like really useful things we can do, and then have people turn them over when they're not using them. I think that's really important. My son was one of the first, well, that first group of ninth graders in the high school who got their laptops, and there was definitely a learning curve. And his biology teacher now says, you know, sit down and give me a 45 degree on your laptop. You know, we'll need like a signal like that. We need to flip over your iPad, um, and people will need to cooperate because they know that that's because 
we want them to experience something better, something different at that time. Great, uh, I'm very conscious of the time here. Um, and one kind of logistical piece to add there too is that uh, the faculty who will be involved in the GC core next year with the incoming students are all, um, you could say, um, thrilled to participate in or subject to about two weeks of development time with Ross here in about, uh, in about a week. So uh, all the students uh, go home and then Ross uh, turns all of the faculty on campus into students. Um, and and uh, seriously though, it provides an opportunity basically for the folks who are gonna be teaching in the core next year to think, to get together and think pretty intentionally about all of the new courses that are gonna be launched and also think carefully about how the iPad becomes a part of that. Um, I think for our last question, um, and this may be appropriate to all of you who are sitting out there, um, someone wrote in, uh, will there be any benefits for sophomores through seniors at all like like maybe a half price on the iPad. I heard a rumor that there might be that. Um, and we'll let Jan, who is one of our continuing students like you all, speak to some of those sorts of questions. Um, yeah, well, the answer is no to the question. There won't be <laughs> any benefits for us. <laughs> no, um, seriously though, the next year is more like a bridge year where students and faculty will learn how to use the iPad. And then the plan is for fall 2013 to start with a leasing program for students. So um, juniors, I'm sorry, there's nothing in for you, but uh, sophomores and freshmen and whatnot, you guys will be able to most likely lease some iPads uh, during the fall 2013 year. Um, but yeah, no half-price iPads, no. Um, I'm looking over to my colleagues and the bench here to see if we can be afforded two more minutes, or if you'd rather go. Two more, we got the thumbs up for two more minutes. Maybe we can cover these questions. Um, another question that came in was whether, is it true that we, meaning you guys, are paying for iPads for the first years next year and we don't even get any? Um, fair question, absolutely fair question. Um, I'll actually feel that when I work in the institutional research office, which means that I spend a lot of time with numbers and I'll just lay a little bit out there for you in terms of, um, what these iPads represent in the institutional budget and then speak a little bit about how we're paying for them. Um, I ran a few numbers this morning and the iPads, um, the kind of investment in the project for next year, um, run, it depends on how you count it. Uh, I would defer you to Jim Histon, who's not here, but he has nice ways of amortizing things over multiple years and the business major, your business major friends could help you understand what that actually means. But we could say that we're looking at about $150,000 or $175,000 of investment next year. And to put that into perspective, uh, the budget on campus here is about $33 million a year. Uh, so we're talking about less than 1%. Uh, and I checked, and it's actually about half as much as what we pay NIPSCO every year for gas and electricity. Um, which isn't to say that it's unimportant, but I think it was helpful for me to kind of understand how this fits in the broader picture. Um, and uh, I think I can safely say too that as the President's Council was working through the budget for next year, thinking about tuition increases, thinking about all of these things, those were decisions that were actually made 
uh, independently from one another. Uh, the iPad initiative uh, was a decision that was important and, and uh, the President's Council agreed that that should be funded and they made some budget reallocations to do that. We're also leveraging some existing grant money to do that and applying, uh, we have an application out right now for additional grant, funny, uh, grant money to support the initiative. Um, so it wasn't as though there was a kind of decision to do this and then a little knob and they just raised the tuition that much. But these were really uh, independent, independent decisions. Um, the other, the other fourth question here, um, and I will kind of close and hand, uh, hand this off uh, to President Brenneman. The fourth question was, why is Goshen College supporting the production of the iPad under human rights violating circumstances? Is GC going to do something about that? And a couple of points there that I would just make in closing. One is, we certainly view this morning's condo as the first and the beginning of the conversation not, and not the end. Uh, we as a campus have a number of ways that we can interface with uh, the human rights, the social justice and environmental aspects of the production of the iPad and other electronic devices. Um, if, if some of you, I'm sure, have been following, Apple has made some changes already. Uh, and we certainly can, as a community, participate in the broader uh, activism that's going on, but we also can uh, work with our representative from Apple and pass on messages uh, and our concerns to them that way. So I would certainly anticipate that as we continue this conversation next, next fall, uh, we, can, we can engage all of these questions in a variety of different formats. Um, I will sign off for our group right now. Uh, thank you all for coming uh, and learning about this, and we look forward to engaging these questions with you. Feel free to talk to any of us. Uh, as you have questions or things to bring up. Thanks. Thank you, everyone. <clears throat> the way I like to have be thinking about these kinds of things, we're in a transition period in higher education. We're like in the stage when, uh, when schools didn't have running water and then they had to decide whether to use running water and didn't have electricity and had to decide when and how to use electricity. In other words, technology is so ubiquitous at this point, the question isn't so much now uh, whether we use it going forward any more than we would question whether we use running water or electricity on campus. The question then becomes how do we use it? How do we uh, think about the use of technology in the educational process? And, and thank you for your group for stimulating us to think about that. As we, as we move forward. So the questions of strategy become less to do with technology, no technology, but how do we use that to benefit all of us going into the 21st century? One of the things I'm delighted to do this morning, because we are talking a bit about learning, and there's nothing greater than to learn how we learn, and some of this is uh, the conversation we've been having. One of the things that, as you know, that we have been doing on campus is to take one of our core values. We have these five core values, and we, we hope and pray that when you leave Goshen College and any of us who work here, somehow those values become embedded in us. And so we think about ways of embedding those values in our lives as, as we go throughout our work here. So this past year, for example, we focused on deeply the core value of servant leadership. We began the year by declaring it to be the year of Kennard Martin, who was a model for us of leading in service. He served over more than over 50 years here on campus, uh, uh, shoveling our snow and mowing our lawns. And, and indeed, that we began the year celebrating what it means to be a servant leader, leader and has, have unpacked that over the year. We ended the year 
in a beautiful way, celebrating the building of the, uh, the home for one of our physical plant uh, workers, uh, Eddie Mayorga and his family. And many of you participated in that. We celebrated last uh, Friday um, with the, the, the completion of that build and the fundraising that, uh, that each of you helped, many of you helped to participate in. And then in between that, there were thousands, literally thousands of hours of service that, that uh, we focused on throughout this year and will continue to do so. So that was this past year. The focus was servant leadership. So then we ask ourselves, what, is the, what core value shall we focus on in the coming year? And I'm here to unveil that this morning. There's only five to choose from, and we'll repeat them from time to time. But we thought we'd make this rather dramatic. Which one of the five? All right. So, Anita, we, we should have a drum roll, but this coming year... Next year, thank you. <laughs> we will be focusing on Christ-centered, passionate learning. Uh, now, let's see, squirrel with a pencil. I thought I had asked for scholar with an iPad as the <laughs> But we've got some pretty smart squirrels on campus, probably smarter than, um, that, than uh, many. Uh, and uh, that is many s squirrels smarter than many other squirrels around the world. Uh, so this, we're delighted to have some t-shirts uh, with emphasizing this core value, Christ-centered, passionate learning. Uh, you'll recall that uh, if you go on the web, each one of these core values are deeply embedded in Scripture, and the Scripture for this is the Apostle Peter's letter when he writes, make every effort to support your faith with goodness and your goodness with knowledge. Make every effort. Be passionate about uh, making, uh, supporting our faith with goodness and our goodness with knowledge. So that's what we'll be thinking about over the course of the next year, about the kinds of passionate passions we have and how we direct them for life, a life of learning, a life of uh, lifelong learning. Um, one of the things J. Lawrence Burkholder once said, he was the, the president of the college when I was a student here, he said the greatest single value of a liberal arts education is to have something to think about the rest of our lives. And I hope that will be the case as we study this particular uh, core value and integrate it into our lives. Before you leave, though, I would like to, I, uh, I think you each were given, I'm, I'm going to ask uh, some of you to help me. I'm going to give, throw out a couple of uh, T-shirts. And if, you, if your number's called, you can come up and get a T-shirt uh, if you want one small, medium, or large, you can choose it. I'll have the PC help me. And then afterwards, after we leave from here today, we will, you're welcome to join us in the uh, Schrock Plaza for some cookies and refreshments uh, as we go from here. But don't go before, <laughs> don't go for the cookies before you get your, uh, I'll do about, hey, let's do about 20 of these, okay? Five, three, or three, three, two, 18, five, three, two. All right, well, thank you all for joining us. Have a great summer. God bless you, and let's go have some cookies in the Schrock Plaza.